Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. everybody. It's me. I'm back. It's Andy J. Miller here to bring you another episode of the podcast, the creative pep talk. I'm ready to get you super excited about making stuff. And I'm, I'm kind of shouting. I'm so excited today. I have a show that uh, is the culmination of lots and lots of the things I've been thinking about. I think it's going to get you excited about your art careers, which is what the show is about. It's for the commercial artist, the freelance commercial artist. If that's you, you and I are the same. We share that blood and I understand it. It's a struggle, but it's an important struggle in my opinion. And it's, and I'm here to just say, it's going to be good. Keep moving. Keep doing it. It's awesome. Let's do this together because it's worthwhile. And it's all I know how to do. So that's why I'm doing it. Before I get to this show, which I'm, I'm so excited about it, I had to say it two times. Before I get to that, I want to say a few things. First of all, you know, you can hear this show at illustrationage.com. We love Illustration Age. They just put out something a little bit controversial. Uh, They just posted um, a free list of art director contacts, so you can go check that out. I don't know how it's all going to go down in the illustration world. This is kind of, usually you have to pay for these things, so they're, you know what, they're out there trying to be the number one resource in illustration, and really, I don't know who can compete right now, so thank you, Illustration Age, for syndicating the podcast, for being my biggest supporters Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. So go check that out. Another thing, uh, not only does illustration age support the podcast by putting it out there on its website and spreading the love, spreading the pep around the community financially, the supporters of the podcast are you, the listeners. And there are a lot of you who have stepped out on the Patreon patreon.com slash creative pep talk. You went out there and you pledged a dollar per episode of the podcast or $2 or $5. And you guys mean everything to me. You are awesome. I am so grateful to have a financial incentive to spend this time. Makes me feel less guilty spending half a day a week, uh, you know, recording my voice, planning notes, writing down things, spending money on SoundCloud and 
microphones and and all that stuff, it makes me feel um, just a lot. It makes me sleep better at night knowing that, um, you know, there's a little financial cushion there uh, for me to be spending this time, money, energy. And time is expensive. My time right now has been totally thin. And, um, you know, the Patreon, you guys make it so that I don't have to feel so guilty about doing this podcast because I love doing the podcast. I am I could not be more passionate about helping people find a balance between art and money. Um, it is something that is on a cellular level a passion of mine and you guys make it possible. So thank you so much. If you are able, uh, if you're making enough money that you can spare, Four bucks a month. You know, I do about four podcasts a month. Um, four bucks a month on the podcast. Go to patreon.com slash creative pep talk and pledge a dollar. If you want to get twice the satisfaction, go ahead and pledge two dollars. That just doubles your pledge, but it's not a lot more on you. It's only it goes from four dollars to eight dollars a month. Um, the five dollar backers, you guys, I'm I'm blown away by you guys. I, I'm so thankful for you. And uh, I put a for the $5 backers, you actually get access to a back catalog of shorter, uh, quick fire episodes that I do just for them um, up on Patreon. And today I actually put up a new talk about programming your subconscious to meet your art goals. And it's some stuff I'm really interested in. Um, so I hope you guys liked that. And thank you so much. I hope that that is a blessing for you $5 backers um, because I love you guys. Thank you so much. And if you got, if you can't spare a penny uh, but you love the show, would you go to iTunes and give me a review? It doesn't have to be really long or elaborate. It just has to be heartfelt. And when you review the show, that actually makes my show more popular and it means it's easier for other people to find it, which is awesome. And if it's helped you, then you can believe that it'll help other people. Don't be competitive. Let's share the pep. Spread it. Let's love people. Let's let's help other people in this kind of hard journey of being a commercial artist. If you go give me an, a review on iTunes, that would mean the world to me. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for the support. I get, I get notes every day uh, on Twitter and Instagram and email about people reaching out, being thankful for the podcast and, and, and the things that we talk about here. Um, and you know what? It, it makes my whole career so much more meaningful to know that um, I'm not just doing this for myself and uh, for my the people that are close to me. I'm doing it for all kinds of people, and I'm getting to affect other people. And um, you guys are affecting me with your feedback um, and your love and your support. So thank you so much. Without further ado, let's actually get to the good stuff on the show. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search in the making in your podcast player to listen. 
Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, AnnieJPizza.com, if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. So I'm a big rhymer. I love to rhyme. Just generally, uh, I did some indie rap when I was in college. Um, I like rhymes. I don't know why. I just like the phonetic feeling of rhyming things. So today, I have a very goofy title for the episode. It's called Start Up Your Art Up. And it's terrible. It's the worst title I've ever come up with. But you know what? Whatever. Um, That's the title. Start Up Your Art Up. I'm trying to say that with a straight face. So, you know, obviously our culture has become obsessed with the idea of startups, right? We have a TV show about startups. We have a podcast called Startup. You know, we constantly are inundated with the, the glory of, what, of the startup life, right? And I'm probably sick of it. But as all of this has washed over me, you know, I've started to find some pretty strong connections between art careers and startups. And uh, I feel like when you get the right words for things, when you can articulate something clearly and simply, it's so much easier to attain it. It's so much easier to uh, have a clear vision in your mind. And when you have a clear vision, that's when things start to work. That's when you can actually be intentional about pursuing your goals. And and that's how you get results. That's how, you know, you save money, right? You do it by financial planning. It doesn't just happen by uh, winning the lottery. There are other ways to get money in the bank. And I think when you start thinking a, a little bit more like a business person about your art career, that's when things really start to pick up traction. And so part of that is understanding the concepts. And when you understand the concepts, you can apply them systematically to what you're doing. And you know, if you listen to the podcast, that I'm all about that. And so as I'm hearing all about these startups, uh, you know, I listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast. That's a pretty good podcast. And he's in the startup world. He's an investor in that world. And he's constantly talking about it. Uh, I Over the summer, I actually uh, worked in-house for a week in San Francisco in a large company that you know uh, that I can't say, 
but it used to be a startup, and that startup culture is just very heavy over there. And so it's just kind of been a theme of my year and probably yours, and it's been something on my mind. And I've noticed all these phrases and things that, if applied to your art career, might just give you some clarity. And if you can get some clarity, you can actually have a breakthrough if you're just trying to break into illustration or if you're trying or you're just in a funk like maybe maybe you got a lot of work you got a lot of demand for what you're doing but you would you're not feeling it anymore you're not feeling fulfilled so maybe you want to reinvent it you want to reinvent what you're doing so if you're trying to break through or you're trying to reinvent both of those situations are pretty tough and they're pretty hard to know where to start and so i think when you start putting some language around it and you start getting some clarity of vision then you can actually make some progress. And I think some of this terminology will actually, might just actually help you do that. So number one is scratch your own itch. And this comes from Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss is a uh, author and a blogger and a podcaster. And he's a strategist. He loves to come up with uh, strategies and formulas and ways of codifying success. And I'm just like that. I have the same kind of yearning. I like to figure out formulas that you can apply to lots of different things and win in lots of different areas. And one of the things that he says a lot, and, it, and it's something that I definitely believe in, is when it comes to your, and to your practice, to your career, um, a good place to start is scratching your own itch, Right? And so he's talking about, he likes to invest in uh, startups that solve problems that he actually has himself. So for instance, he needed car services and it was really annoying and hard to do. And so he invested in Uber. And so that was a problem he had and that's where he went to invest money. And okay, you're not investing money. But I think this is actually a really good concept when it comes to what direction should I go with my art? I think you should start with what gets you excited? You know, one of the best tests for me, uh, whether I'm living in that excited zone about my work is, is there something that I could get up at 4 a.m. that I'd be willing to get out of bed at 4 a.m. before I actually start my day that I would be excited to get up that early and trade some sleep to make something. And what would that thing be? What would I be willing to trade sleep to make? That's, that's a good question. Oftentimes, if I'm stuck or I'm in a rut, I'll ask myself that question. I literally will think, is there anything I could think to make tomorrow that I would be willing to get up at 4 a.m. to make? And if there's something you're willing to get out of bed that early and you really test it and you do it, that is a good sign that this is a direction that you should head. Another thing that I've noticed is like when things start to get mucky in my career or like I'm not exactly sure uh, what I should be doing or I've, maybe I've started a project and it's starting to get really convoluted and I'm not excited about it anymore or I'm sick of my website or I'm sick of my style or whatever it is, there's this one clarifying question and we talked about it on the podcast before but I think it's worth revisiting. And it's, what do you want to see out in the world? You know, when I started thinking about making picture books, I started, I, I, you know, it's easy to go down that path and just get really mixed up and really confused. And, you know, you start heading down a road and writing lots of 
stories and such. And eventually, it just becomes a gray mess and you can't find a way out. But if you go back to this question, what book would I want to see on the shelf at my local bookstore that's not already there? What's missing? What would I go into that bookshop and think, if I saw a book on the shelf and think, that is amazing, that, oh my gosh, I can't even believe this exists, make that book. So I think the first thing that I've noticed uh, from the startup culture that I think applies to the art career is scratch your own itch. All right, number two, create a POC, proof of concept. Okay, this terminology actually resonates uh, better for me than side project, self-generated project, even branded content, whatever you want to call it, uh, or self-generated content, whatever you want to call it, this work that you generate without anyone else asking you to make it, that work, I think maybe the best lens to use when, a, when, when thinking about starting some new projects or breaking into a new field or reinventing your work, I think maybe the best lens is the proof of concept. And the idea here is if you think about Pixar, Pixar will make a short film. Usually those short films before their movies are little proof of concepts. It's a little test that says, hey, can we make people look more realistically? Well, let's do a little short film and try that out. Hey, could we make something that's a little bit more abstract story-wise? We'll make a little short film, and we won't have to invest as much time and energy and resources into this test because it might not work out. It's a risk. And I think this, to me, is what self-generated projects are all about is what DIY thing can you do? What thing can you do all on your own with your limited time and resources? What is the, they call it in the startup world, they call it the MVP, which is the minimally, minimal, sorry, minimally viable product. What's the product that you could create with the smallest amount of time and resources that would not, not minimally be passable, but be awesome, be excellent, be, uh, high enough standards that people would be excited about it. That's the thing that you pursue with your self-generated project. And the reason is, the proof of concept idea is, you take uh, these limited time and resources and you invest them in this thing that you make all by yourself. And the reason you do it, the idea of the proof of concept is to prove that you've got what it takes, that you've got a good idea, that this thing is going to have an audience and get a response and can make money. And it might just make it on a small scale because it's just a small investment. But the idea is, is that if you can get some traction and some energy, then you can sell it on to someone else who can take that small idea and make it much bigger. And that's the idea of the proof of concept. You know, for instance... I think it's hard for a publisher to take a risk on a new author. It's hard for an art director to take a risk on a new illustrator, on someone that hasn't been tested, someone they haven't worked with even. And I think one of the things that helps is if you've got a good following, if you've got a lot of people, a lot of peers, you know, 
coming alongside you and saying, hey, I like what you're doing. You know, And if they can see that on social media and they can see that out in the world, it's going to be easier for them to take a risk. And actually, this reminds me, if I go back to my San Francisco week, my little blip in San Francisco, uh, I got to go out for some drinks with uh, my friend Eric Marinovich. And uh, he took us to this nice little oyster bar. And it was really nice inside. He knew the chef. Uh, It just had a really great atmosphere. And I'd never tried oysters before, right? But in this circumstance, in this nice environment, it's presented well. I can trust the food. I can trust the chef because I've got this person, a friend of mine, who's vouching and it's and I'm in an environment that I can trust because everything looks clean and nice and I and the atmosphere is good. And I think that the proof of concept idea, the idea of doing a side project, putting it out into the world and getting your peers and uh you know the the industry to say this thing is legit, this thing is good and getting a great response and making some noise with it. Now you've proved that this thing can be financially viable and there can be an entity out there that can actually take a risk on you. And I think this is a perfect way to reinvent or break into a new area. It's a good way to even just test the water. And I suggest you would go out there, create a project or a product, make a specific commitment. Let's say you're going to make a new thing every week on this same series for six months or Let's say you're going to make a a new poster series and you're going to make six posters before you give up. And then by the time you're done, you're going to do, if if it fails, let's say if it didn't get the response you were looking for, you didn't really gain any traction, it's not starting to snowball, and it feels kind of like it failed, that brings me to number three, which is pivot. And so instead of just saying, all right, pack it in, pack it up, I'm done with the art career, you take another lesson from the startup industry. And it's called pivoting. Uh, Look out there into the world and you'll see that all of these giant startups actually start as different companies, right? Like Google, their original idea was to create a new library cataloging system. Uh, Fab.com, which was a a giant company a few years ago, they started as a dating site, turned into a design, designer items, sales site, right? So Twitter, I think, started in a different incarnation as well. And I think the idea is that the the cool thing about the minimum viable product, the cool thing about uh, the internet, yeah, the internet is can make it really easy to get distracted to where you try and all a billion different things and never significantly investing in anything long enough to get a return. Yeah, that's true. But the, the cool thing about the internet is that it makes it easier to actually be agile. It means that you can take a small investment, put something out there in the world, do some testing, do some analyzing, say, hey, that worked or hey, that didn't work, and then go back to the drawing board and say, hey, these three things work, these seven things didn't, how can we change them? How can we shift gears with our next product or our next project, with what we learned by putting that last thing out there into the world.
And so this is a great thing that you can apply to your own art career. And that's the kind of way I've seen it is that, you know, I think it's important to have a vision, but I think it's pretty difficult, especially in in today's climate where things change so quickly. I think it's pretty difficult to look out 10 years ahead of time and say, I'm going to go do that thing. And I think it makes more sense to say, okay, over the next one to three years, I want to start heading towards doing more editorial illustration in the uh, intellectual market, right? And you can say, all right, I'm going to start creating some minimal viable products, some investments, some small investments uh, that are professional quality, but just small little bets in that direction and putting them out into the world and seeing how it goes. Because the thing is, is it might fail because you don't get a response or there's not enough excitement about the project. But it also might fail because you just don't want to do it. You, you thought it looked great on paper, but when you actually go do it, it wasn't fun. It wasn't enjoyable. You're actually not as passionate about it as you thought you were. And when you find yourself in that place, you find yourself uh, hitting a brick wall, let's say a year into it. What's cool is uh, you can just create a new product, a new project, uh, you know, Instead of, you know, taking a 180 or, uh, yeah, instead of taking a 180, you can think, I'm going to shoot 50 degrees to the right. Um, I didn't hit the mark this time, but if I shift gears a little bit, I can head a new direction and maybe hit where I'm trying to go. So I think the pivot uh, in, in the face of failure is actually a great lesson that you can take from these startups that you can apply to your art career. Now, the last one is if that project goes well, if the product goes successfully, then you can go from that and you can go public like a startup or you can sell your product. You can have that big exit moment. Technically, you're not going to actually exit because it's still going to be your career. But that thing, that thing, that book that you self-published, if you can find a distributor and you don't have to deal with you know, thousands of books in your studio that you have to post out yourself. If you can find a distributor, someone that can actually do that better than you can do, all of a sudden you can scale what you're doing, just like just like a startup. And I think for me, I've been so attracted to this way of thinking because I think it's actually long-term thinking. It's actually uh, has, a, has that scalability factor that sometimes doing everything on your own doesn't have. You know, on the Your Dreams, My Nightmares podcast with Sam Weber, on the interview with Leah Gorin, I, I suggest you go check that out. It's fantastic. Uh, she's got great work and great ideas, and she's got fresh ideas that I think she's brought to the industry. Uh, one of them being that she said, so she ran an Etsy. Um, I think she still does. She sells products on there. A lot of them are handmade products, like she'll uh, make some handmade ceramics that she paints. And she said she used to think of those as products where she was making something. She'd make 30 bowls that she'd paint and then sell those for money. And that's how she'd pay her bills. And she still does that. But her mindset has shifted from that uh, that self-publishing mentality to this minimum viable product for the bigger distribution mentality. Where she, when she makes a set of bowls, she's not just making a product. She's making 
a product line example that she could then sell to a larger company like Anthropology, and they could go manufacture these things on a giant scale. And all of a sudden, she's taken this one-person shop that has all these limitations of time and money. Monergy, that's money and energy. (laughs) All these, she's taken a little one person shop that has all these limitations of money and time and energy, uh, and she's found a way to scale. And so I think this is a great way to take your, your work, your personal work, or your personal products and scale them on a bigger level by doing the big sell, by going public like a startup, by publishing the work. And so if, you're, if your minimum viable product is successful, if it starts picking up traction, if you start getting a bunch of new followers and people are talking about the projects, um, then you can actually go take that to the, uh, the blogs or the, the magazines, the people that write about these things. You can, you can start telling people about it and, and people will start telling people about it. And eventually you're going to, you're going to be able to tap into either indirectly or directly into a bigger distribution channel. And all of a sudden that's when you start really gaining some traction on a bigger, on a bigger scale. And so in my own career, this is something I've done several times. So when I first started out, I wanted to get into working with my favorite musicians. So my college project was the indie rock coloring book. And when that started to get some attention from companies like pitchfork.com, then all of a sudden I started having some people contacting me about ways of actually making this thing happen on a larger scale, on a way that uh, can actually make money. I had invested some some time and energy and a little bit of money in my own work, and that turned into someone coming alongside me that does something that I can't do on my own. And then the next uh, one of the next phases I did was I wanted to get into making work for kids, and so I I I did. I put what I had in the pot. I had an hour every day to make a new character, and I made the Nod Project. And I, I put a new character every weekday up on my blog. And so that I had dedication to spare. I had time to spare. And I started plugging away at that. And that turned into work with Nickelodeon and some other uh, magazines and things like that. When I wanted to do editorial work, when I wanted to start making editorial illustrations, nobody was throwing me articles. So I started writing my own articles. I, I did the minimum viable product there. I thought, what could I write about uh, on at least a close to professional level. And I thought, I've, I know a thing or two about creativity. Started writing articles about that and illustrating my own articles until people started to pay me to make illustrations for their articles. And then recently, I've been doing it with the podcast. I thought, you know what? I'd love to go speak at conferences, uh, but nobody's inviting me to do that. Maybe I'll just speak at my own conference on my podcast 50 times. And, you know, at 50 episodes, I got invited to do a, po- uh, a conference. And so I've done this over and over and over. And it's, it's really worked for me. And I love finding language to attach to these things because I think it makes it so much easier so you don't have to just throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. You know, you don't have to do the trial and error thing. So you don't have to go right back to the drawing board every time you hit a roadblock. You don't have to, you know, start from scratch and start from that blank page. You have a bunch of tricks in your back pocket that say, hey, I'm hitting that 
point where I want to break into a new in- industry or I want to reinvent, you know, I want to strike up more demand in a certain area of my work or I want to break into something that's more creatively fulfilling, you don't have to say, all right, now I have to start from scratch and completely learn how to go into that new arena. You get to use these same tricks uh, that the startups use and that you've used before previously in your career. And to me, that systematic approach is so much more valuable. There's, it's so much easier to get some traction there. And so I've learned that when I start itching, when I start feeling that thing like, hmm, the demands kind of seems like up ahead, the demands might start waning on this stuff that I've been doing, or uh, I can feel like an unrest, like mm, this stuff is getting a little bit tired. This is getting a little bit boring. Uh, I start to try to be aware and take stock of those feelings and try not to ignore them. I think it, you can take those feelings and get distracted and get, uh, you know, you can lose interest in your stuff, which isn't good. But I think if you're if you're aware enough to start noticing when when maybe you can sense up on the horizon there's going to be some trouble, you can start planning and optimizing and start thinking about what's the next stage going to look like. Maybe it's time for a pivot. Maybe it's time to take this thing that I've been keeping up on the side and sell it to somebody else, sell, or at least partner with somebody else so that they can shoulder it and I can spend some of that time and energy uh, differently. And I think it works even on bigger stages of your career. You know, I was thinking recently about how the freelance game, living, uh, you know, job to job, I don't know, it kind of feels like when you're a pro athlete, You've only got so many years of your prime, and, and it, it, it's tiring. Like right now, the projects I'm doing are, are keeping me up at night, and they're, they're hard on me in a lot of different ways. And it's not the lifestyle that I necessarily want to live my entire life. And so as I start noticing those types of things, I start thinking about what types of investments can I make right now so I can start building some of those minimally viable products so that I can start transitioning at the right moments. You know, Jim Kudal of Kudal Partners in Chicago, he said it's really important not to make goals uh, for the person you are now. You know, don't make a five-year plan that by the time you're there, you're such a different, because you change a lot in five years. You're going to change in five years. And so if you make goals that would satisfy you now, and you're going to reach those goals in five years, they're probably not going to be satisfying you then. And so I think it's important to try to have some of the foresight. And and I think more than anything, it's not about predicting the future as it is, as much as it is just noticing those, those like inner cues that are saying, this road you're heading down is fine for now or either isn't working now uh, in, in thinking about how do I start investing differently in this moment so that later i can start reaping the benefits that i want to that i want to see okay so that's about all i've got today i wanted to try a little bit quicker punchier podcast so you can reach out and tell me how you felt about that uh, this one's a little bit shorter but i hope that it what packed a punch i hope you got excited about the stuff that you're doing i'm super excited about the podcast my excitement level is soaring off the charts i love to 
being in the studio with Brandon last week. We're going to do an interview next week with a special guest. Uh, I'm super excited about that. The podcast is gaining reviews and places on the design charts in the on iTunes. That's amazing. Uh, I loved speaking at that conference uh, two weeks ago. That was a blessing. It was super fun. I felt totally uh, thrilled to be up there and sharing my heart about commercial art and why I'm so passionate about helping other people uh, find success in these areas. I love doing that. You know, I'm just super grateful to be in this zone right now. Um, you know, there early on in my career, I definitely struggled with all kinds of different aspects of this art environment, and I'm and I love the place that I'm at right now. And and so much of that is due to all you guys um, and all the encouragement you give me and all the sh- and uh, all the sharing of the podcast. Thank you guys so much. If you don't hear from me for a little while, figure out everything that you've got to do to stay excited about making your stuff, staying uh, refreshed, get some rest. Sometimes you got to not think about work for a minute. Sometimes you need to shut that art brain off and just enjoy life and play and refresh. Get some, get a breather this weekend so you can come back next week uh, pepped up. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll speak to you soon.